Hi, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing in your life. Now, if you have a story or a testimony to share regarding a miracle, please let me know at story at citylifefw.org. That's story at citylifefw.org. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story soon. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Well, God bless you guys. Come on in and have a seat while you're, while you're grabbing that seat. Uh, I, uh, one of the things that God put on my heart really a long time ago, back at the very beginning when I said I'm going to do this City Life thing, was, uh, was that I really wanted us to, to gather together occasionally in an evening and to worship God, but to also have a time where, where we experience the presence of God a little different than Sunday morning. I think that's a good thing. Uh, Vince, I know you were raised this way, and, and, uh, and, and you're, you're really, you're, part, you're a big part of this whole dream that, that happened here. But, uh, yeah, you know you are. <laughs> but, but it was, it was really cool, because when I was a kid, uh, Dad would, would, in fact, it was, I was out with the missionaries today, and they're saying, so what's a Sunday like in America? How do you do your services? And, and, uh, and these, I was explaining to them, they were telling them about what happens in India, and I said, you know, they're explaining how India church was on Sundays, and I said, you know what, the way you guys do church in India, it's kind of like how it used to be when I was a kid, because we'd go to church in the morning, we'd do class, then we'd do, we'd do our main service, we'd do big church, and have our kids' services, and all that kind of stuff, and then we'd, we'd have lunch, and we'd kind of crash and relax for a while, and then we'd come back, and, and we would do a, a big round too, and the Sunday evenings were my favorite times, because they were just, it, you they, we just didn't have the fluff. You know what I'm talking about? It, and, and nothing wrong with fluff, but it's just, it's just, it's just us. And we're in, and I, I experienced my best times in church on Sunday nights. I did. I did. I'm not trying to bring that back because everything has a season, but there's something about getting together in an atmosphere that, that doesn't have the constraints on it, maybe that a Sunday does where you have to move from one service to the next to the next, where you can just enjoy God's presence. And that's really my heart for tonight. It's a night of empowerment. It's a night of teaching and preaching and worship. Uh, and uh, and it, more than anything, I want you to experience God tonight. I want you to experience God tonight. And I believe you will. I really do. So uh, I, one of the things I like to do at City Life Night is I don't like to use my slides. Is that okay if I don't do that every once in a while? So that kind of just gives me, like, like, takes me back to my good old days. You know, some of you might just, you know, go through, like, slide withdrawal and like, no, what are we going to do if he doesn't have the slides? You're going to be okay. Trust me. Trust me. But uh, I want us to get in, I want us to look at God's Word on our own. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I want you to get it opened up to the book of Matthew, chapter number 21. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Uh, there, there are four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these were, these were written to give, to, to present the eyewitness accounts of what Jesus did when he was here on this earth. And they all have a very different, interesting perspective. They all have a different feel and a vibe to them, but they all tell the same story. 
And I love it because in Matthew chapter 21, and we're going to start in verse 1 here in just a minute, and you're going to read through this with me. But, and I, I, I typically read from the New International Version, unless I'm telling you otherwise, so that's what I'm going with today. But, uh, but, but in Matthew 21, we're, we pick up on this story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem on, uh, on a donkey, and it, it is uh, on this day that we call Palm Sunday. Now, if you were here with us this morning, you heard me talk about this. Uh, I, I, t- I talked about it from a different perspective. I really talked about it from the book of Luke, uh, but today I'm going back to the book of Matthew, and we're going to see this. Now, here, here's the cool thing. Matthew was the, the guy who's the author. I, I love to love it, because when you know who the author is, you can kind of understand what everything else is about, you know? Uh, and, you know, because of like, like, someday when I write the book about, you know, Tim Woody writes a book, if that ever happens, when that ever happens, you, if you know me, you'll kind of say, okay, I, I get what he's saying, because I know that guy. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Matthew. Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus. So he saw his ministry unfolding, and he was there from the beginning all the way to the end. Matthew was also a tax collector. He was an IRS agent. <laughs> but, but what's worse than that is, is back in those days, you know, the tax collectors were not well thought of. And, and they, they weren't, because this is a Jewish guy, Matthew's a Jewish guy who's taking, Jew, taking taxes, money from the Jews to give to the Romans. And in fact, a lot of the tax collectors would just, would just take extra money for themselves because the Roman law allowed that. Said, you know, take as much as you want as long as we get our part. And some of them kind of lived pretty high on the hog and, and did their own thing. There's no evidence that Matthew did that, but, but Matthew was, um, he was, he was a government sympathizer with the wrong government. Does that make sense? Wow. Somebody's going to go, ooh, wow. Did you know that's one of Jesus' disciples? You know, he, here's, one, here's one of the interesting things. Some people, I, I, I hear this a lot of times in culture, and I want you guys to help stamp this out. It's like, well, if you can only be of one particular per political persuasion to be a follower of Jesus. Now, first of all, I think that's like one of the weirdest things because politics has this way of trying to separate people. And you know what? As believers, we need to stand up and say, no, I got no time for that. You know, uh, not, not, not today. We're not going to do that. Because this guy was a sympathizer with the Romans. And then you have, on, on the other hand, you, ha- you have another guy who was on Jesus' staff, one of his disciples, which, uh, which was he, was, he was in a political party called the Zealots, and that was, that was one of the political parties. Those are the guys that carried swords around, getting ready to start a revolution at any moment, you know, like just waiting for things to t- so they could drive the Romans out. And, you know, and those two guys served on the same staff as Jesus. Now, figure that one out. I think from the beginning, Jesus said, you know what, it's not about a political persuasion. It's about this one thing, do you get the kingdom of God? See, here's what I love, is Matthew got the kingdom of God, and he understood it, and because he was a, go- he was a government worker, being a government worker, his, his theme all the way through the book of Matthew really talks about the kingship of Jesus, how Jesus is the king. And, and you, you find this woven through the whole thing. That's this whole story. Basically what he's doing, he writes this, this, uh, this book of Matthew, which is a big, long um, story. He wrote it primarily for the Jewish people to see this man is your king, and I'm going to show you why. Uh, so so we, he has an amazing story. I love it. I, Matthew is my favorite 
of all the books in the, uh, in the New Testament, I love it more than any other book in the New Testament. And, uh, and I've, I've gone through the book of Matthew my, myself, and I've spent years literally going through the book of Matthew, dissecting every word and everything that was said. So, so Matthew is, is, is just like, uh, it's a favorite for me. I have not met anyone else whose favorite book in the New Testament is Matthew, but it's mine. But, but so I get very passionate about it. But in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1, I want you to follow with me, because now Jesus is about to come into Jerusalem, and this is a big deal because now this is this is five days before the crucifixion this is a week before the resurrection matthew 21 1 follow with me in your bibles as they approached jerusalem and came to bethphage on the mount of olives that would have been like a little suburb says jesus sent two disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you so there's another little suburb right up ahead. And, once, and, and, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Did you guys know there were two donkeys? There were. <laughs> it's kind of fun. I, I, I'm going to pull out some cool stuff here. Stuff you may have never seen or heard. There were two donkeys. There were. It wasn't for Jesus and his wife because he wasn't married. Okay, all right. But, but Jesus, there were two donkeys, and we didn't, all we know is what is written here about the two. None of the other, the others kind of focus on the cult because Jesus was on the cult. Uh, the others talk about it, so the younger one. But, uh, but obviously they didn't want to take the cult away from its mother, which is pretty cool. So y'all, you have to go. Uh, all the girls go, ah, uh, and the guy's going, what? Okay, <laughs> let's, let's keep going. If anyone says anything to you, I love that. If anyone says anything to you, just say that the Lord needs them, and he'll send them right away. Verse 4, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. And uh, the prophet had said, say to daughter Zion, that means to Israel, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey the disciples went and did as jesus had instructed them and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for jesus to sit on okay you're getting the picture now so here we go this is the moment verse 8 picks it up a very large crowd imagine this spread out their cloaks on the road, while others cut, bran cut branches, and we know that from another uh, uh, a book in the New Testament, it was palm branches from the trees, and spread them on the road, okay? So this is right up in front of him. So they're taking their coats off and the palm branches and laying it on the road. And then, and then you can imagine what was happening is as they were doing that and Jesus passed by, they'd probably pick him up and run back ahead and do it again and do it again and do it again. They were making this thing a big deal. This was a massive ordeal coming into Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem had never seen anything like this in its history. Jerusalem was not some little hick town. This was the center of political power. It was the center, the center of the religious uh, power in that day. And so it says in verse 9, it says, the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed. So you, you keep in mind, there are, there's people marching in front of him, people marching behind him. This is a parade. They, I'm sure they didn't have a parade license. I'm sure they didn't have all the right paperwork, but they just did it. This is an impromptu parade going through the city. And, and it says, the crowds ahead of him and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna. Say the word Hosanna. Hosanna. Say it again, Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. See, David was uh, was in the lineage. I mean, see, Jesus was in the lineage of 
David, so David would have been his great, 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 great grandfather. And so he, that's how far back he went. And, and David was that big king of Israel, you know, very famous king, wrote much of the, the, the Psalms in the, uh, in the Old Testament. And um, they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. So they're saying, you're in the lineage of a king. Get it? All right. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. See, when you come in the name of the Lord, you're blessed. And they, then they said, Hosanna in the highest heaven. We'll talk about that word Hosanna in just a second. See, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, verse 10, look at this, the whole city was stirred. And they asked, who is this? So things just shut down there in town. You see, it would, have been a little bit of, it would have been a lot different than a parade coming through Fort Worth. Now, um, we have our building here. We have our offices right here. And they have parades and all kinds of stuff going on just a few blocks away. And that happened. That's a normal thing around here. Well, a lot of times you don't even know they're happening because you're locked in the building. You have your air conditioners going. But back then, everything was open. I mean, they didn't have their little air conditioners, so their windows were open. Everything was open. And, and when they would hear the buzzing and the loudness and the sound, everybody wanted to go figure out what was going on. It's so... I love it because here we see the entire city. It shook the city. The shitty, the sit, <laughs> that was not the right word. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've got one on me now. Woo! You guys be careful with how you edit this, 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 uh, this sermon. The whole city. And you know what? There's this thing that when you, when you say a word wrong, your, your brain tries to repeat it wrong again. So be, be, I just... Uh, <sighs> Pray for me, all right? The whole city was stirred. I'm not going to say that line again. And they were asking, then, who is this? Who is this? Everyone's asking, Who's, who is this? This is something significant. This is no dude just coming into town. This is not some salesman. This isn't some, uh, this is just isn't some uh, new priest or some you know, cool little politician. This is like, this is, this is significant. And you see, it would have been totally different than like a Roman governor coming into town because they would have had their soldiers with them and it would have been, bum, ba, da, ba, ba. Well, this is totally different. This is like chaotic. It, it, it was orderly chaotic and, and, and uh, it was an amazing moment. All right. And the crowds answered. So people are asking in town. The crowds are answering. So these are the people that are coming along with Jesus in front of him, behind him, putting their coats down, putting their, 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 uh, the palm branches down, running up ahead. They said, this is Jesus, <laughs> the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. In verse 12, <laughs> this is good. Verse 12 says, then Jesus entered the temple. Now, he made that his first stop. The temple was not a little church building. The temple was this majestic, massive place where, where, uh, where the sacrifices were offered and, and, uh, and people would come to, to, uh, to, to, to give their sacrifices, you know, for their sins on a regular basis. That was a normal thing that was happening there at the temple. And, um, and part, of it, part of what would happen there at the temple is is people, you know, they had, to bring, uh, they had to bring a lamb, or if they couldn't afford a lamb, they could bring a dove, and it had to be unblemished. But if you didn't have one of those, in the Old Testament, it, said, it still gave them a way out. It says if you don't have one of those, then you can buy, buy one when you get there. You can, you can, buy, you can purchase one. And so what, there, what was happening there was actually totally legal according to the Scriptures. But then it says Jesus entered the temple courts, and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. 
follow me here. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling the doves. And he says, it's written, my house will be called a house of prayer, and you're making it a den of robbers. Now, let me just correct any kind of wrong thinking here. Jesus was not against buying and selling, or, you know, you, you guys would all be in trouble because most of you work with that way somehow. No, he was not against buying and selling. What he was against, and this is powerful for you and for me right here, if we can really get this. This is in the Bible for a reason. It's not in there just to make us go, wow, Jesus threw a temple, uh, a temper tantrum in the temple. Then you try to say that ten times without saying a bad word, then you're doing good, all right? Jesus threw a temper tantrum in the temple, and he was like throwing stuff around and turning stuff and kicking. No, it wasn't, it's not there so we can see how Jesus got mad and that Jesus did get mad, but it's here for, to show you how Jesus responds to injustice against a poor person greed of someone who's taking from someone else in an unjust way price gouging that makes him mad <laughs> i don't want to be on the receiving end of that okay so that's really what's going on here all right and so he says it's written my house will be called a house of prayer but you're making it a den of robbers in other words what they were doing is they were, they, were, they were price gouging. The money changers, people would come in from other countries, and they would have to have the right kind of currency to buy them. And so, so they, would, they would inflate this. You, have you ever guys, guys ever you know, exchanged money, and, and you go to a currency exchange place, and some places the, the exchange rate is great, and other places you're going, what, are, what in the world are you thinking? You know? Oh, there's, a, there's like a 50% fee on this thing? That's basically what they were doing. And Jesus said, no, not in my house not in my house because my house is about justice my house is about salvation my house is about life you're not going to rip off god's people yeah i love that because listen listen right here guys this happened on the day jesus came into town as the king and one of the, and part of the message of this is is if the devil has been ripping you off and if you have felt like you're boxed in and you can't get out of this box and you want to get out but but people are, are gouging at you and people are putting you down and it could be economically or it could be in any other way but it's someone who's taking advantage of another person and if it's happening to you it it really upsets jesus i was gonna say it takes jesus off i don't know if it does that but it really upsets him i'll tell you what I found out that something like that was happening in our church last Sunday. And I was not a happy man. Some of you would have stood back and said, I didn't know Tim could get that angry. And I got angry. There's a young man who attends church here. Uh, we call him Jack. There you are. Um, but we, we make sure that he has a roof over his head. He's a part of our church. Um, He's a generous giver. He loves Jesus with all of his heart. Serves Christ, but uh, he was here Sunday morning. He said, Pastor Tim, my bus pass is gone. I'm like, I don't like that. What do you mean your bus pass? Because I'll make sure he always has a bus pass. And um, I thought, wow, that's strange. And I had to stay up here all day. I had a group that I met that met that night, and it was late. <laughs> it was late for me. It was like 7.30, and I was, I was leaving, and I was tired. It had been a long day. And I was on my way home, and I started on my way home, and I felt the Holy Spirit said, go check on Jack. I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to go out to West Fort Worth. I just want to go home. I want to just go to my little bed. I want to go see my wife. And be have a happy, happy time. I want to eat some normal food. Go check on Jack. I, I started arguing with God. This was, a, this was an argument I was having. Go check on Jack. Go check on Jack. <sighs> okay, I will. I will. But God, 
you know, I really don't feel like this. And so, and so I had this little argument with God. I, I, uh, and, and, and I really felt God was speaking to me because I was arguing back. You know, I usually don't argue with myself. And I get out there and I go and I put my key on the door to unlock it and I can't get in. And at that moment, I can see him inside of there and he's, there's some other people in there and, they're, and they basically had him cornered went into the room, and I didn't like what I saw. The place had been totally turned upside down. This is a place that we provide for him, all right? And I keep, I keep the room in my name. And uh, it was just, it was a disaster. Yeah, it wasn't his stuff. And basically four people, I found out, had moved in and basically taken over the place. He has all kinds of stuff missing. Um, you want to see me come unglued? I was not a happy camper that night. And I just said, I don't know. And there was one guy in there, he, and I was like, what's this? What's this? What's a pink backpack doing over here? He goes, oh, well, that, that's my. It's like, you don't have no pink backpack. He's like, oh, yeah, well. It's like, and then I, I see a wallet laying there. I pulled it up and opened it up. It's like, ugh. Some girl, I mean, I'm taking pictures of the IDs. I'm doing all this. I said, I don't know who this is, but this ain't you. So there's other people here. Like, no, no, nobody else is here. I go in and I start looking around, looking around, going to the closet. I can't get in. Push it hard. I said, get out. Get out. And I go, oh, no. but he let us in. I said, you don't understand. This is my place. This place is under my name. Tim Woody, that's the name for this room. You are not my guest. You better get out of here. I was pissed off. Because nobody's going to mess around with my boy. He's in my church, and I love him. I took Jack, and I said, Jack, you get in my car. And I put him at the Hampton Inn and gave him a, I said, I want the best king suite up on the top floor. I want him to have nice stuff. Slam dunk. Got him all set up. And then a team of you guys, Colby helped out. A team of you guys came in the next day, and after those people who'd left, clean them up. Because I told those guys, I said, listen, I said, I said, there's actually, I, I told them this. I said, there's actually a little bit of nice in me. First of all, you are not my guests. But I'm going to let you be my guests for the next 11 hours. But if you're not out of here by 7 a.m., oh, my goodness. I said, you don't know who I know in this town. But I said, I put people behind bars for messing around with him. Do you want that? No, no, no. So you better not be here at 7 a.m. I mean, I was doing that. God is my witness. I was. Jack, you know I was. Jack was going, oh, Pastor Tim. Oh, Pastor Tim. <laughs> what caused me to go, go unglued? It was injustice. I know how that feels. When you provide and you give and you want to provide justice for someone and someone else comes in and takes advantage, oh, my stinking word. <laughs> don't mess with me if that's going to happen to me. And that's exactly what Jesus was feeling because there was injustice. Because these, if the people were buying doves, they would have been the poorest people and they were being overcharged. It just pissed him off. You get out of here. I, yeah, I don't care if Jesus lost his temper. I think it was good. And I don't care that I lost my temper last Sunday night because I know it was good. And they've not been back either. Yeah, those IDs have been given to the police, and they're, you know, they're watching. We've got a no trespassing order. We are set. Nobody better mess with them again. You see, that's my story, and it helped me to understand 
what Jesus felt and why Jesus did what he did. Because even up to this point, I thought, it still seems just a little bit crazy. But no, I went crazy last Sunday night. And on a Sunday evening, 2,000 years ago, Jesus went into the temple and he went a little bit crazy because he saw his people being taken advantage of. And he still wants to go and will go a little crazy when he knows you're being taken advantage of. <laughs> hey, church, that's a good thing for you. He is your protector. He's going to watch over you. He's, get, he's going to take care of you. And if you're being, uh, I'm telling you, what, if you're being abused, if you're being, being uh, uh, taken advantage of in one way or another, whether it's relationally, financially, or whatever, you need to give it to Jesus. You need to say, Jesus, I need some help. I need some help. And I trust you, you better watch out because he may turn over some tables. All right? Move on on. <laughs> verse 14 and it said it's beautiful the blind and the lame came to him now first of all think about it they can't see where they're going the people who can't see where they're going and the people who can't get there because they can't walk came to him don't ask me how that happened. But they came to him. They could, I don't know what they crawled. And now I've been in a situation where I couldn't walk. And you know, there's sometimes you just, you push yourself around, you know. The, the blind and the lame came to him and he healed them. Verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him and he healed them. That's the love of Jesus. When he came in as a king, he was saying, you know what? I'm going to drive out some injustice because I'm not going to have that for my children. And then he says, you know what? You have a physical impairment? That you, there, there's, there's a problem here? I want to heal it. But you see, Jesus didn't go to them. They came to him. See, when you come and you say, Jesus, I need this, I need this. In a little bit, we're going to pray for healing. If you need healing, you've got to go to Jesus. You've got to go. Like, well, I'm just going to stand back. Well, I, it, it, there, there's, there's a little bit of evidence in here that the people who stood back who were blind and lame may not have been healed that day. Now, verse 15. But, but, the transitional word, but, when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. Isn't it interesting what makes other people mad? Jesus was indignant about injustice. These guys were indignant about someone getting a little more attention than they got. And they said, do you hear what these children are saying? You know, it's like in a mocking way. They're mocking him. Do you hear what these children are saying? Like, do you have ears? Come on, open them up. Now, they're not saying, wow, what a wonderful thing of, of driving out those people who are doing injustice to the followers of God. Wow, what a wonderful thing, healing the sick, God, uh, healing these people that are blind, healing the people that, that can't walk and so they can walk again. No, they didn't say that. They said, do you, can, can you hear? Can, can you hear what these people are saying, these children are saying? And Jesus said, uh, yes. <laughs> and then verse 16, he said, 16, he says uh, have you never uh, read in the Bible 
So he's making fun of them now. He's like, okay, can I not hear? What can you, have you not read in the Bible? You guys are like the teachers of the law. You're the experts. Don't you read the Bible? Come on, don't you read the Bible? So he gets into, so he's having this verbal exchange with them. He says, from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. I love that. God has called forth praise from children. I used to be a children's pastor years ago. I love being a children's pastor. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that the being a children's pastor is one of the best things that you can do to prepare to be a lead pastor. I, I, I really believe that. I was at a, at a pastor's meeting the other day and of church planters, and, and I just told them, I said, really, those of you who have church children's pastor backgrounds, you know, you, I think you've just got a lot more going for you because you, you know what it takes. Because those children, they're not going to, you know, they, they, it's, it's like, they're going to be all over the place. They're going to be kind of just, just doing whatever. And if you're boring, they will let you know. Because they, they, you know, they're not, they're not going to be respectful. You guys are respectful. You know, if I'm boring, you're going to sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you see, they won't do that. You know, if <laughs> I used to tell my children's workers, you go, wait, brush your teeth, use breath mints. Because sometimes they go, oh, your breath smells. You know, to my workers, I'm like, oh, no. Because they're going to tell you, you guys won't. You'll just back off, you know, a little bit. But, but, but those kids, they're going to tell you. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things that I insisted on after, I remember reading this when I was a children's pastor years ago. I was 20, oh, what, was I 22 when I started off as a full-time children's pastor. And, uh, and I, I, I saw this, like, praise is important. And so we did praise and worship. We did praise and worship uh, for, for our children. In fact, one of our praise and worship, one of our guitar players was actually on the stage learning how to play guitar with, with me at, on, on that stage years and years and years ago. And, uh, and, and, and we did worship for the kids, and, and, and you have to figure out how to get them to praise. But I was like, you're going to worship God, and we taught them how to worship God. And sometimes we would take the children, we'd, there's hundreds of them, we'd take them over to the big auditorium. I, I would do this once a year. I said, I'd say, Pastor, we, let, let's, let's teach the rest of these people how to worship God. I'd bring those kids, and then we'd fill up all the choir risers. Do you guys remember the days of choirs? You know, some of, the, some of them still exist. We don't do that here, but there's all these choirs, you know, where the people are stately and they sing with their robes. Oh, you know, all that. Uh, the people with the good voices. And uh, you know, they do their thing and you, you applaud. Well, I was like, let's fill that up with the children and we'll show the congregation how to pray. And we would. We'd pack that thing out. And those, I said, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to lead them in worship. So I'd get up there and lead them in worship. I'd say, come on, church. Look. Look what those kids are doing. Can you, can you top them? And they were worshiping Jesus and people in our church. That you, I, I, you could look out there, and as, as I was leading them in worship, they were just smiling and beaming and worshiping like never before. But you know what? The children inspired them to worship. I, I really believe in that. That's one of the things that happens with our children's ministry. You know, Ian, you guys, you guys are back there leading those children in worship. You're giving them, you're teaching them to worship God. But guys, I don't want us to forget it even when we're older. You see, worship is not about the posture. It's not about whether you're jumping or standing or, or kneeling or holding your hands up or, or clapping. You know, all those things are great. They're fine. But, but worship is an attitude of the heart. And, and I just ask that you be fully engaged. A lot of times your body expresses what you're feeling. It expresses what you're feeling. But, but, but you know, that's just part of it. You know, sometimes you might look up here and look at some of these worship leaders and go, well, aren't they a little bit exaggerated today? You know, what's their problem? Now, you don't know. But I know their stories. I know the story of the young lady who was up here who was healed while she was leading worship. 
her deaf ear was opened on this platform. I know the story of another person on this platform who came, who was leading worship for years, and then, then all of a sudden the enemy just uses her husband to come in with physical abuse and emotional abuse to tear apart and, and try to bring destruction, but God rushed in, rescued, and saved, and redeemed, and set her free. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you guys, don't, don't you ever criticize someone's attitude of their expression and worship because you don't know you don't know and I, and I think maybe some of us who have not received quite as much from God maybe that's why we just kind of like mm, okay well whatever wait till the preaching part that's the part I like no I don't want us to do that <laughs> see we need to do whatever is possible to engage the presence of God they physically did it when Jesus came into Jerusalem by putting those, those, uh, the coats and, their, their, and the, the tree branches down in front of him and shouting and celebrating. They physically did that for him. And it created an uproar in the entire city. And it changed things that day. They were saying Hosanna. The word Hosanna means this. I never knew what it meant until I was actually preparing for this message a few months ago, it means save us, oh God. Save us, oh Lord. Save us. I thought Hosanna was just a nice word that you said when you waved a palm branch on, on a, you know, Palm Sunday at church. Hosanna, Hosanna. That's what you did when I was a kid. Like, Hosanna, Hosanna. Don't know why I'm doing this, but it's fine. You know, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's save us, oh God. So they were singing as they were coming in. And then the little boys and the little girls were dancing and shouting. They weren't whispering it. They were shouting, save us, oh God, to Jesus. And that's what made those religious leaders get all upset. True, they were thinking that they were going to be set free from the Roman occupation. They, they believed that Jesus was actually coming in to, to, uh, to make the Roman government crumble and to set himself up as the new king in Israel and to seat himself right there in the temple and to take his place. But, but uh, he came for another purpose. That was to establish the kingdom of God in our hearts, now, which is Sunday morning's message, and I'm not going to redo that one for you. But here's the truth. Kind of back to politics again. Can we talk politics at church? Can we? Is it against the law? Do you know it's not against the law to talk about politics in church? Did you know that? Will you let me talk about it freely and openly? Are some of you blood pressure rising? <laughs> I'm going to talk politics. People still today look to politics and politicians for salvation. They look to the government for salvation. Save us, oh government. Save us. Save us, politician. If we just get this person in office, if we just get this one, this one, this one, we'll be saved. And I'm just telling you what. You know what? There, there's, there's good ones and there's bad ones. There's great ones and there's really sorry ones. But the truth is, is that no one will be able to save you through politics. All politics is keeps a, a political system, a government together. That's all that it does, and it's a necessary part of the function. That's, because, that's why, of course, Jesus is going to set himself up as the political leader of the world someday, and that's the kind of politics I really, really, really care about, all right? Jesus is going to be there one of these days, but guys, I'm just telling you, it's pretty shallow when everything that comes out of our mouth is about what, what political person we're against or who we're for, and that's all that comes out of your mouth. You know what? All, all you're doing is you're just adding to the problems, 
why don't you use that energy to talk about the real political leader who's going to come to this earth? Talk about the one who's on the throne of your heart, Jesus Christ, and put him first. Because just like then, they were thinking, well, politics, this, this new politician, this new king, he's the answer. He's the answer. Now, it wasn't quite the way they had seen it. Unfortunately, they didn't see it the way that it really was. Jesus did come, and he set them free, but it was in a very, very different way. But God's kingdom is far above politics and political kingdoms. Yet at the same time, their cry, Hosanna, was fully appropriate. It may have been with a different purpose, and sometimes, guys, we don't even understand what we're saying, but it was appropriate. They were crying out for salvation, and that's what Jesus brought. They were crying out for deliverance from evil, deliverance from wickedness, and that's what God brought them through Jesus. And it's what he still brings us today, and it should still be the cry of our hearts, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. Save us, O God. Rescue us from the devil's wicked schemes in our lives, the way he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, you know what? Jesus said this, and this is in one of the other uh, books in the Bible. He said, if, if these children don't cry out and worship me, then, then the rocks and the stones, they're going to start, start singing and praise to me. You know, it's going to happen one way or another. I'm not going to let a stone outdo me. I'm not going to let some rock outdo me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep God's praises on my lips. Psalm 118, verse 25. I love it. I love it. If you have a Bible and you're able to flip over to that, I want you to look at it. Psalm 118, 25. Psalm 118, 25. Because here you see, that this is a psalm, a psalm which kind of sets things up. This psalm was written, oh, probably about 1,500, 1,600 years before Jesus arrived on the scene, okay? And this is actually a prophetic messianic psalm, and those are big fancy words to say. It talked about what was about to happen through Jesus, all right? And it took, a, it took centuries for it to happen. But I want you to see it because in here, in this little passage, in Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, we actually see a little more revelation of what was happening on that day because here's what was prophesied. The psalm says this. It says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. And that's exactly what happened that day. And I want that to be the cry of your heart. God, save me from every attack of hell on my life. Because some of you, hell is beating you down and it's beating you up. And you need to say, Hosanna, save me, God. Jesus, I need you. I need you. You should be able to pray like Psalm 118, 25. Lord, grant me success. Grant me success in what I do. I don't want to be a failure. I, I, I want success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and from the house of the Lord, we will bless you. That means whenever we get together with God's people, we're going to bless the Lord. And I, if, if, that, if that's your attitude, God's going to respond. He's going to respond greatly. Hosanna in the highest. Do you realize when they were saying Hosanna in the highest? Again, I've never really comprehended this until I was preparing for this message. But what they were doing is they were actually invoking the blessings of heaven onto their lives. As they were saying, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna in the highest heavens. What they were saying is the blessing of God, let it just be invoked on me. 
That, well, that's a selfish way to worship and pray. No, no, that, that's, that's, that God wants us to. I'm a dad. When my kids have come to me and said, Dad, I need this, or I want this, or Dad, Dad, help me here, and, you know, I, I bless them. I'm blessed. Now, I, I don't go and buy them new cars. <laughs> I don't buy, yeah, that's, that's not what I'm interested in. But, but I'll make sure they're gonna, their needs are going to be met. And I'll take them to Sonic. And I'm going to take them to the beach. You, you see what I'm saying? Those of you who are parents fully get this. That's what God does for us and wants to do. And so as we cry out, God's going to give his greatest blessings right back on you. It's a blessing of deliverance from oppression. And today in this house, I believe oppression is going to be broken. I believe that the anger of God is, is stirred up, not against you. Some people say, again, that when Jesus went through and did that in the temple, was, it's not that he's mad at you. He, he doesn't like injustice against God's people. He don't want injustice. And the anger of God is against that injustice. And was you say, God, help me. Bam. I mean, things begin to change. And if you begin to say, Hosanna, oh God, save me, I need your help. Sickness is healed. Disease is put down. Lives are changed. And that's what I believe is going to happen in just a few minutes today. Here's what we're going to do. I want to sing one more. Uh, music people, come back up here real quick. Uh, they usually have a more subtle cue, but hey, it's Sunday night, so that's cool. Uh, yeah, music people. We're going to sing this song one more time. We're, we're going to worship for just a second. And I'm going to lead you. I'm not going like, to lead all the singing. Those other guys sing much better than I do. But, but I'm going to kind of lead you in this moment of worship and just of, of praise to God. And then I'm going let it, to let it settle in your heart. And, uh, and then, if, then just in a few more minutes, I'm going to come right back up. And I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to have just, just about five more minutes to wrap up. And then we're going to pray. And I believe we're going to break through. I believe we're going to break through for you. Before we go to begin singing one last time, what is it that you need from God? Where do you need that freedom? Where do you need God to rush in and save you? Where do you need Jesus to come kick over some stuff that someone else propped up in your life? What is it that you need Jesus to heal in your body so gently and lovingly? What is it that you need? Let the prayer of your heart be, God, save us. God, save me. God, grant me success as I worship you. Would you say these words with me? Say, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. Lord, save us. Lord, save me. Lord, deliver me. Let your power be released in my life tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from City Life Church. You can keep in touch with what is coming this season through social media and our City Life app. And Sunday, our favorite day of the week is on its way. We hope to see you at City Life.